Andy. And I'm Claire. And you're listening to Killer Vibes, a true crime podcast. Welcome back to the story of Ted Bundy. So a whole bunch of bodies were discovered on Taylor Mountain. They were confirmed to be the missing girls in Washington. Um, But, you know, Ted's not really worried about that. He's living in Utah and hanging out in Colorado for some reason. It's cool here. Yeah, it is cool here. I like it. Anyway, so... After the find at Taylor Mountain, the murders don't stop or anything like that. So here's the second half of the Colorado murders. Julie Cunningham was 26 and lived in Wait, Vail. wait. Sorry. Yeah. Where's Taylor Mountain again? So Taylor Mountain is in the Cascade okay, Mountains. Okay, so the first. Okay, never mind. Yeah, it's near Mount Rainier. Yeah. And it's also about a mile off of Issaca, which is close by to Lake Sammamish State Park. So okay. all of that is kind of in... Um, a pretty obvious radius of each other. Um, They're all kind of semi-close by. I think it's like a 45-minute drive up to Taylor Mountain from Lake Sammamish. Cool. Okay. So, okay. So, Julie Julia Cunningham was 26 and lived in Vail, Colorado. She was a ski instructor and had got out of her apartment on March 15, 1975, to go to a local tavern with her roommate. She would meet a handsome stranger on crutches who would ask her to help getting his ski boots into his car. We don't know much about Julia, unfortunately, because at this time, a famous person would murder their husband in a hotel room (gasps) in Aspen. That's a good story. Yes. What's his name again? I don't even... His name is like Spider or something like that. Well, he was like a... Big skier or something. Uh-huh. That's a that's an interesting story. Yeah. So it kind of like Forgot took over that. the news. We don't. So we don't have a ton on uh, Julia, unfortunately. But Bundy would confess to her killing, although her body has never been recovered. Yeah, that one is covered on my favorite murder. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Gotta love Aspen. Aspen and Vale are they? They're like a lot of rich people that hang out up there. I've never seen any celebrities when I um, have been up in those two places, but. It's where the rich people go to ski. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so her body would never be found. And Denise Oliverson was 25 when she went missing in Grand Junction, Colorado, which is... That's so close. um, Yeah, and I actually, I have been to Grand Junction so many times. It's like 15 minutes from my parents' house. Yeah. So when I saw that she had gone missing there, like, I was like, oh, okay, So she had a fight with her husband on April 26th, 1975, in the afternoon and headed out on her bike towards her parents' house. On Monday, her husband called to see if Denise was still mad, only to find out that she had actually never arrived at her parents' house. Her bike and her shoes were found off of US 50 by the Colorado River. Bundy would say she he threw her body into the river where her shoes and her bike were found, but her body was not recovered. Okay, so this is kind of a, an interesting one. This is in Idaho, randomly, but he confessed to it, so it's she's on there. Lynette Culver was only 12 years old when she went missing on May 6, 1975, from a playground in Pocatello, Idaho. She apparently looked a lot older than her real age, and on the day she went missing, she was hanging out on the playground of Alameda Junior High School when she um, decided to head back home for the day, but... As with all of these women and young women, she would never make it home. Bundy would confess to her murder, but I read in an article from the Idaho State Journal that stated police were looking into other leads about Lynette's disappearance. 
like I said, her body was never found. And during this time period, there were um, a few kids that went missing around Lynette's age in this area. So we do know that Bundy wasn't like super active in Idaho. So I don't know what to really think about that because he did say that he killed someone in Idaho. And I'm pretty sure he said it was Lynette, but there was like someone else who was terrorizing younger school children, um, including a few different schoolboys. I don't know what what to believe about that. Um, hmm. But anyway, uh, like a lot of these things, <laughs> this is just one of the reasons why I actually wish we hadn't executed Bundy because he could probably could have cleared up some stuff. There are a few cases like this where a victim he confessed to, they're starting to look into other things or a victim that was like supposedly one of his victims. They're like taking him off of the suspect list because it's been so long and he didn't ever confirm it. And like they need to start moving forward in the case. So, again, I just really wish we hadn't executed him because he may have been able to tell us more than he was able to. Yeah. And Um, we just don't believe in the death penalty in general I don't I don't care who you are I think the organized death of anyone is like not okay um that's not how you serve justice so anyway so Suzanne Curtis uh was 15 when she attended a Mormon youth conference at Brigham Brigham Young University in Provo Utah on June 27th 1975 she went to the same high school as Debbie Kent and her family was actually at the musical as well when Debbie would go missing. So that was weird. kind of like a weird little connection, right? So Susan told her roommates she would be headed back to the dorm rooms, but she never made it back there. Susan's disappearance wouldn't be linked to Bundy at first. The police department wouldn't even question Bundy about it when he was on death row either. But on the day Bundy was executed, he said that he killed Susan. Um, he claimed her body was buried near Price, Utah, but her remains were never found. He literally, like, forgot about Susan, and as he was walking down the hallway to be electrocuted, he remembered it, and he asked the warden for a tape recorder, and he confessed to this murder. What? Isn't that insane? That's crazy. Yeah, so her murder would be the last one that he confessed <gasps> oh to. Like, mm-hmm. oh, wait. One more thing. It's like, oh, I should probably mention. Okay. This person that I'm going to talk about now is the extra person who would be like the 31st victim uh-huh. that he is officially linked to. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like 99% positive that she's a victim. And so are police departments here in, in, um, in, in Golden, Colorado. <gasps> in Golden? Um, yeah. My brother lives in Golden. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know. Where Coors is brewed. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so Shelly K. Robertson was 24 and a Spanish student at Red Rocks Community College. She missed work on July 1st in Golden, Colorado, but she was a known hitchhiker and they didn't really think much of it, but she never missed work. And she just, like, simply vanished. Like, nobody knew what happened to her. A similar situation to our two other known hitchhikers, Brenda and Donna. Um, They just kind of, like, left without really taking their stuff with them. It was just odd. Hmm. So on August 21st of the same year, so 1975, her body would be found at Berthed Pass in a mining shaft by two mining students. I have gone through Berthed Pass so many times. Anyway, Bundy would confess to her murder, kind of. Um, He said when questioned about it, quote, I don't want to talk about that and would brush it off. And obviously a lot of his confession tapes have been said to be 
plea bargains with police to kind of stay his execution. So he probably didn't officially confess to it as a way to like insinuate, well, I may have done it, but give me a few extra days and I'll talk to you about it. So there's that. But like detectives are like 99% positive that he was the one who killed her. Again, if we hadn't killed him, we might know. I don't know. That'd be an interesting thing that we should have probably not done. Okay, (laughs) so Bundy had gone home a month before the murder of Shelley Robertson and had actually proposed to Elizabeth, just on an an update on that side of the story. (laughs) Oh, I keep Um, forgetting she's still here. I know. So she actually accepted him, even though she had already turned his name over to the police twice. Twice? Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. But she was smitten. Elizabeth. Whatever. Stop it. Exactly. <laughs> so now we're going to dig into his arrest, which is like, <gasps> okay, he would, after the arrest in Utah, he would like only be a free man for like six weeks Yeah. after that. And then, yeah. So anyway. Okay. So um, usually a lot of serial killers are- Are that all, or is that all the victims? No. Okay. No. I was like, I feel like we didn't- We'd have the, okay. so that was only 20. I was about to say, I feel like that wasn't very many. No. So, or, like, that's a lot. But <laughs> I mean, right. I was but, like, I don't um, think that's 31. Okay, go on. No. Okay. <laughs> so, most notorious serial killers are caught due to a mistake. Well, Bundy made a ton of mistakes, technically. Um, but we didn't have the technology, so we don't really have his DNA or anything like that. But on August 16th, at 2.30 a.m., Sergeant Bob Hayward pulled over a Volkswagen bug that was driving in a residential neighborhood in Salt Lake City very slowly and with the lights off. I can only imagine what he was up to, what Bundy was up to, and what... Prowling. Yeah, and what Sergeant Hayward prevented from happening that night. So, anyway, that I just don't even want to think about what would have happened if he wasn't there. So... He pulls the car over and Bundy identifies himself and he lies about what he's been doing. But Sergeant Hayward kind of catches him in the lie because Bundy says that he was at the drive in a couple blocks away. But the movie, he says, is actually not the movie that was being shown there. And Hayward knows this because it's in his jurisdiction. So he had already driven past it and had seen what movie was playing. What movie was playing? I don't know what the movie was, but... um, Bundy says what movie he thought it was. I don't remember what that was. It's in the book. If you want to read the book, it's in there. So he catches the lie. And also he starts, he like looks at his car and like sees that the passenger seat isn't in the, in the right place. Like it's in the back of the car. So there's just like an open space Which is right weird. next to it. Um, yeah, obviously. So he asks to check the vehicle and Bundy lets him. Which Bundy would say that he had no right to check the vehicle, but if uh, um, someone has reasonable suspicion, if they pull you over, they can actually check your vehicle without a warrant. So in the back of the car, Haywards finds some creepy stuff. There is a crowbar and a bag with that had a ski mask. Um, an old electrical cord, an ice pick, some garbage bags, nylon stockings that had holes cut into them to make it look like a mask, and just some other weird stuff, you know? <laughs> just your general serial killer starter kit. Basically. So Hayward, like, arrests Bundy, thinking he's planning to burglarize the neighborhood. So that's what he gets arrested on is, like, bur- uh, attempted burglary or or 
possession of burglary weapons or something. I don't remember what it was. Being weird. Yeah, just being You're weird. You're under arrest for, for being, being weird. weird. <laughs> okay, thanks. So his arrest just kind of reminds me of like what happened in the Son of Sam case, and he was arrested because of a parking ticket. So it was just a fluke like that. Like it was yeah. just wrong place, wrong Whoops. time. So Detective Jerry Thompson, and he would become like an arch rival for Bundy, um, but he's a detective at the Utah, um, the Murray County Police Department or wherever they are, the Salt, wherever they are. He's a, he's there, you know. Okay. At the police department. So he sees Bundy and since it's like early in the morning and Bundy is being annoying and he just wants to go home, Thompson actually releases him on personal recognizance which just means that they let him go without posting bail so they don't have a bail posted after the arrest they're just like okay whatever but for, like you have to promise to come back yeah <laughs> or they will put a warrant out yes for you. absolutely so the name ted bundy though sticks in the back of thompson's mind and he recognized it <gasps> from the report that elizabeth submitted in utah when all of those girls were going missing. So he pulls out all of this information and he pulls out the sketches and the type of car the perp was last driving when Carol Durant was abducted because he's starting to kind of see this like circle of events and the abduction of Carol Durant and that perpetrator had been connected back to Melissa and um, Nancy and oh God me what's her name <laughs> nancy no i already said nancy debbie. debbie debbie oh my god that's terrible um okay sorry there's a lot of names to sort through okay so this perpetrator um and carol's incident had been linked back to those three as well so he looks at this file and obviously the sketch is kind of like bundy's face and there's a set of handcuffs in Bundy's car, and they seized all of his his tools and stuff. And the key that they found <gasps> in the parking lot when Carol Durant was Whoa. abducted fit into this particular type of handcuffs. That's interesting. If the key fits. <gasps> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> exactly. So on August 21st, 1975, they arrested Bundy on possession of burglary tools and they booked him. So they went to his apartment, looked around a bit, and then Is they... Is that really like what they arrested him on? Yeah. Possession of burglary tools? Yes. Isn't that weird? I feel like that's not okay. Okay, go on. Well, I think it I think it is an actual well, it was a legitimate charge because of all of the things that he had inside of his vehicle was obviously I feel like you're incriminating, but I don't know how the system works. But anyway, um, so it doesn't so, really matter. I mean, <laughs> the, the fact is, is that they do. Arrest I mean, I'm him. glad they got him, but that's yes. weird. It is an interesting charge. I hadn't heard of it before. He also was wearing like a cat burglaring suit. So he was in all black and like looked very suspicious. Yeah, but I mean, you um, can you can't arrest on suspicious behavior, but sounds like they, they did, did, though. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to discuss the whatever um it's not right probably but i'm glad they did it with him they booked him they look around in his apartment a bit and then um when they booked him bunty would claim that the ski mask and the nylon stockings were actually for skiing to protect his face and also stated that everyone had that those tools in their car like of course everyone has a crowbar of course everyone has garbage bags and handcuffs it's fine um i could accept everything except for the handcuffs that's a little weird 
So they searched his apartment. They went back, got a search warrant, um, searched around in his apartment. They found um, a brochure for the Wildwood Ski Lodge, which is where Karen Campbell was abducted from. Mm -hmm. But Bundy would claim that he had never been to Colorado and that that was just like his friend had left that there. Lies. So... And then Officer Thompson would say that he noticed a few things were actually missing from the apartment that he had noticed the night that they had arrested Bundy. Like a pair of weird leather patent shoes were missing. There was no radio or television. It was just a weird, like he just had noticed those things before and now they were gone. Hmm. But they only found circumstantial evidence. There was nothing that re- really could connect Bundy to the murders in Utah or even the kidnapping, really. So police contacted Carol and the teacher from when Debbie Kent went missing, Jean Graham, and they showed them a whole bunch of mug shots and put Bundy's in there as well. And Jean picked him out like immediately. She was like, that's him. Carol wasn't super sure because she had been in a more traumatic situation, so I'm sure that it was a little different for her. But Bundy had, like, changed what he looked like. Like, he had grown out his hair by this time, and Carol had been abducted a couple, like, a couple months before. So she was like, I don't know, like, maybe. So they actually decide to show her a stack of driver's licenses, and she pulls out Bundy's license and they're like why did you do that and she's like I don't know he looks like the guy and that would be the only one that she would pull out Bundy was known to change his appearance all the time like FBI profiler Bill Hagmeyer would call him like a master of disguise I think that's a stretch but okay just grew his hair (laughs) yeah I was like I don't know he he just like makes himself look really terrible like he grows like a creepy pedophile mustache at one point he like cuts his hair lets his hair grow looks really like clean shaven and professional doesn't sometimes it's just like I don't know I wouldn't call him a master of disguise I would just say he makes himself look really bad so that people don't think it's the highly educated well like intelligent Ted Bundy who's always clean shaven and good looking have you seen that movie master of disguise no. What is it? Add it to the list. Okay. It's so good. <laughs> um, Dumb and Dumber and the Master of Disguise. Yes. And Pretty Woman. I haven't seen that one. And yet. Pretty Woman and Donnie Darko and Across mm-hmm. the Universe. We've got a list going. Yes, we do. Okay. So Thompson puts him under surveillance in September 1975 because they have to like, I think they, they release him or I don't know what happens, but they what? have to let him go because they can't hold him on any charges yeah I was kind of thinking I was like still stuck on the suspicion of burglary thing because like yeah I kind of thought you were kidding at first and then you said Mm -hmm. it again and I was like wait is that real but maybe it was kind of the thing like with Travis Travis Forbes Mm -hmm. in our like very first episode where they yeah just have to think of some bogus thing Mm -hmm. just to like get him off the street for a second yes and then they like don't follow through with it because they realize it's not fair you know so Exactly. And that's pretty much what happened. Maybe that's what happened. Yeah. So they they let him go and they put surveillance on him. And they also contact Elizabeth, who had given the tip about Ted to the police department. Bundy was put in a lineup before Mm -hmm. he was released. And he changed his appearance yet again. He, like, cut his hair really short and, like, wore weird clothes. But Carol is like, that's him. 
immediately. <laughs> and um, on October 2nd, he was arrested and charged for aggravated kidnapping and attempted criminal assault. Yay. Yeah. You can't so, fool Carol. No, you cannot. She's she's a badass. She honestly. is. She's so cool. Mm-hmm. The officers from Washington, Colorado, and Utah kind of converge on Elizabeth at this point because they're all starting to connect the dots about what's going on here after they have um, booked Bundy. And they question her pretty intensely about her life with him. She was the closest person to him besides some of his other close friends like Anne Rule and a few of the other members of the Republican Party at the time in Washington. She said that she suspected him in the summer of 1974 when everything started. So it's just kind of like all of the officers fly out and go in and talk to her in Seattle on September 12th, 1975. Um, So this is where Elizabeth would tell police that she found weird stuff in his apartment in Seattle, like plaster of Paris and crutches that were there for no reason. He would ultimately claim that he had taken them from his... What was the first thing you said? Plaster of Paris. What's that? So it's basically what you use to create a cast. Oh, okay. So it's like a mesh. I remember. Yeah. So she also found a bag of women's clothing and a bowl in his house filled with random house keys. So there was just some weird things that she had seen. In addition, she had seen like he had like a whole bunch of weapons all of the time. Like he would carry around a meat cleaver in his car. Ugh. I would immediately start thinking you're a serial killer <laughs> Yeah, um, if you didn't have a good explanation for having a meat cleaver in your vehicle. So they asked her about her sex life as well. And she's like, I would be so uncomfortable with this. But she basically said that it stopped being enjoyable in the summer of 1974. He would actually ask to tie her up a lot and just do stuff that she didn't really want to do. And he like choked her at one point. And he got mad when she forced him off of her because... It was, like, causing her to constrict her breathing. This was also when the department started to match up and look into Bundy's records in each state. And, of course, he was in Colorado when the women went missing, despite the lies he was telling of never being there. And he had purchased gas nearby all of the places where the women went missing on the day they went missing. So in Aspen, Vail, Grand Junction, and in Golden. And it's interesting because, like, Bundy would buy gas quite frequently. And um, I don't know why. Like, in, like, little small quantities, he'd, like, purchase gas in all of these different locations. And that would be, like, one of his downfalls, too, is, like, he keeps on purchasing gas right near where he would abduct people. Yeah, that's weird. Like, literally putting him in that spot. Maybe do it in the town over. I know, right? (laughs) Or, like... I don't know, get a gas can and fill that up. And so you don't have to fill it up anywhere near where you're taking people. Anyway, shouldn't be giving out tips like this. So in Washington, Detective um, Kathy McChesnan and Detective Robert Keppel were heavily involved in the processing of information pertaining to Bundy. They interviewed Anne Rule and even Bundy's landlady and reached out to Diane. So this is the first time we have Diane involved in the investigation. So everything fit together, but they didn't have any sort of physical evidence, which is like, sorry, I just remembered something. <laughs> okay. So Elizabeth Elizabeth and Anne sort of provided the timeline to confirm the location of Bundy when all of the abductions took place. I mean, like they knew where the he they knew where he was, but they couldn't pin him on any of the murders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's not illegal to be in the town of a murder. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you need better evidence. Exactly. So Carol is really the only person who can confidently have a piece of physical evidence, which is her eyewitness testimony, 
to link Bundy to any of these attacks. Yeah, um, which eyewitness testimony is kind of awful. Exactly. <laughs> like, it's not very accurate. So we're going to end <laughs> part six right there, and then we'll talk more about Bundy in the next one. Yay! <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Bye!